0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Hi and welcome to the Health Check podcast by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Joyce Thiel, and I'm ST's Senior Health Correspondent. Asians in general now face a higher risk of developing diabetes. One in two adults with diabetes in Asia remains undiagnosed and are at increased risk of developing serious and costly complications. So in this episode, we talk about the situation here now, and what people with diabetes should watch out for in this pandemic. And with me today is my guest, Dr. Asim Shabir from Alexandra Hospital. He's a senior consultant and the head of general surgery with a special interest in bariatric and metabolic surgery. Hi, Dr. Asim. Thanks for coming on Health Check.
1: Thank you very much, Joyce, for having me.
0: Right. So, Health Minister um, Ong Kang, he said recently that Singapore has made progress in its war on diabetes, but obesity and insufficient physical activity are still problems among the population here. So, tell us more about the situation now. Like, how bad is it? Are people with diabetes coming in with more problems than before? Joyce,
1: so, um, has diabetes status gotten better in Singapore? I think we're controlling our diabetes our patients, their glucose sugars better. Our uh, healthcare is managing uh, their outcomes better. Uh, As far as obesity is concerned, unfortunately, if you'd seen, we used to be about uh, 10.5% of population used to be classified as obese. It went down to 18, sorry, 8.6%. And it seems that this year it's coming back to 10.6%. So uh, on that front, um, yeah, things are not uh, all that great and we need to do a bit more better. Yeah, so uh, if we look at global statistics, generally, um, among Asians, the diagnosis of young-onset diabetes below the age of 40 is relatively proportionately high as compared to our other uh, ethnic groups. So Asians are more prone to be diagnosed with diabetes at an, uh, an, or suffer from diabetes at a younger age. So yeah, that trend continues to prevail.
0: I see so it's not like a, any special impact from the pandemic. So it's always been like this.
1: No, it, it it's been it's not an impact of uh, COVID uh, because if it was an impact of COVID uh, then it should have been um, uh, you should see it disappear. It's always been the case that proportionately across the globe the number of young what's said diabetics are much more in the Asian cohort. So the pandemic hasn't changed the prevalence of diabetes.
0: Mm, okay. But it's just with people eating more and exercising less, the obesity number of people who are obese have increased.
1: Uh, yeah. So so, when you have an increased number of people putting on weight, uh, there is a correlation to those patients then going on to having metabolic diseases, right? So, uh, both the diseases, obesity and diabetes, go hand in hand uh, because they share common pathways. And thus, uh, you, uh, if the population is getting more obese as young adults, uh, then the likelihood that disease will shift um, Towards a younger age group is uh, is more likely. Uh, however, the pandemic would not have a major role to play in this. But yes, it certainly uh, w- we are heavier for what we would have been otherwise.
0: Right. So, Doctor Azim, how would an early diagnosis, you know, affect their lives compared with somebody who is, you know, who gets diagnosed with diabetes later on in life?
1: Uh. So. It is important to diagnose diabetes and obesity earlier in life because you can then treat and plan interventions. So what are the key interventions that can be done? They look like, I mean, like for diabetes, better managing their glucose controls. So if you diagnose them early, you have a greater control early on their glycemic control, which means that the longevity is more. If they are morbidly obese uh, with diabetes, you can ask them to and do interventions to help them reduce weight, which then allows the pancreas to function normally for a longer period of time. Body physiology to come closer to normal. And when all these are combined and put into one place, they will help increase longevity of life. And prevent diseases, comorbid diseases like heart attacks, like strokes, uh, like kidney failure, like loss of limbs in future.
0: Right. So, you know, in this is the pandemic now and having diabetes actually makes it more likely for someone with COVID to develop serious complications, right? Can you tell us more about the link between COVID and diabetes?
1: Okay, so first of all, it is important, as you rightly pointed out, to diagnose these patients early. So people who have very strong family histories, who've been putting on weight, who have symptoms of diabetes, like going to the loom multiple times to pass urine, uh, having to drink a lot of water and these they should seek medical advice early. So that's the prevention part of it. Um, for those people in the pandemic, uh, why are they at risk of those who are already diagnosed with complications? So let us look at different cohorts. We look at those cohorts who are staying home are working from home. They might have put on weight, uh, which can make their diabetes go worse. So we need to help them look out after their weight. Now, why is um, the second aspect is the diabetic control itself? People may not be having access to care to look after their, their sugars uh, as they are staying back home. And this is one of the factors that they do tend to develop complications. Higher levels of blood sugar mean the patient is more prone to getting infections. And when this is combined with a certain degree of obesity, where the immune response is obtuned because of weight, then the patient is more prone to getting infections. Diabetes in its own is an inflammatory disease that compounded by another uh, insult on the body then makes the patient more prone to diseases and harder to treat when they have uh, problems uh, in the hospital.
0: Right. So before we, it you know, become so serious, right? You know, what, is there any particular diet that people can follow?
1: Um, so I think most people who do go to and who do tend to develop diabetes, they are advised. They are normally in a routine clinical setting, seen by a dietitian at a diagnosis. They are advised about what kind of diets they can take. Um, a, a simple way of prevention is to look at the ministries. Of health directives on the use of the plate. Uh, The healthy plate is a great way to start with having more vegetables, having proteins on it, and reducing the the carbohydrate load. And not only reducing the carbohydrate load in its own, reducing refined carbohydrate loads like free glucose. You can take complex carbohydrates uh, and then uh, reducing the amount of uh, fat intake as well, uh, helping to reduce weight would really help in all this.
0: Right. What about um supplements?
1: Generally, most people would consider people who are obese and diabetic to be healthy, uh, but generally, obese patients do tend to have nutritional deficiencies. So, taking a supplement is not harmful if not overdone. You know, you you can't be taking four tablets daily, uh, which can because all these supplements, uh, the vitamins that we take, do have biological effect on our body. If you take them excessively, some of them can accumulate in the body and they can cause harmful effect. Taking a tablet a day may not be harmful; it may rather be helpful to patients, uh, but taking too much of it doesn't help.
0: Right. So, and you're referring to these would be like multivitamins. Are there any special ones or?
1: No, I, I think most of the companies that uh, produce uh, come to the need of the patient. Uh, these include uh, simple, simply available over-the-shelf vitamins. They can be taken. And generally, because the manufacturers of all these are given guidelines as to what are the recommended daily allowances, and they are within those safety brackets. They, they keep their dosing between those safety brackets.
0: If you like what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to the Health Chat podcast for free on your favourite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. Like us and give us a rating. So we've been discussing diabetes during the pandemic with my guest, Dr. Asim Shabir from Alexandra Hospital. So, uh, yeah, earlier you mentioned the healthy plate. So, I was just thinking, I mean, like now, you know, there are all these diets around. Some people want to follow, say, the keto diet or the Mediterranean diet. Would you recommend these diets?
1: Um, So, I think the best diet is a healthy diet, which contains all key elements. And the main reason for suggesting that is not that the keto diets, the intermittent fasting and all, they don't work. But how are they sustainable in our day-to-day life? How long can people sustain them? There are people with liquid liquid diet, paleo diet, and, and, and all this. We're human beings. We get bored of doing things repeatedly day in, day out, and all that. So, generally. So what happens is that when people leave these diets and they come back to normal diet, uh, then is the problem because then the surge in calories is so profound uh, that can it, it is harmful for patients. So yes, if people want to try to use these diets to lose weight and it works for them, then yeah, sure, why not? Uh, but on a routine basis, it should be basically a healthy diet with vegetables, proteins, and counted amount of calories from carbohydrates and fats.
0: Right. And for those who are severely obese, there's always this option of a bariatric surgery Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so even before we go to bariatric surgery, Joyce, I think there's one more thing that we really need to discuss here, and that is about exercising, right? Um, many people would think that calories in are calories out. You drink a Coke, Coca-Cola can and you go and exercise, you've burned the Coca-Cola can. Actually, the effect of exercise is more profound than just burning those calories out. So I think it is important that with with great diet control and restraints on diet, people do tend to develop the habit of doing regular workouts as well. And these workouts help the body keep healthy and fit. Why? Because when the muscles exercise, the brain knows that its general infrastructure is healthy. So, it, doesn't, it tends to promote healthy eating behavior, right? Uh, it does tell, uh, help us burn the extra calories. It, so, muscle, for, especially for our diabetic patients, muscle, among other organs, is one organ which can use glucose. That is the, uh, the fine product of uh, carbohydrate digestion to basically uh, use this glucose without the need of insulin, so in patients who are diabetic, there are two main problems that we see. First of all, they're deficient in insulin. Two, the insulin that they have is unable for medical reasons to push in the glucose in the blood into the cells. But if you have an exercising person, he can virtually take up that glucose extra in the blood, into his, internalize into his muscle cells and use it without having the need to give insulin. So, what a beautiful way of burning all that extra amount and tightening your glucose control. Um, So, there are patients who are morbidly obese and in this pandemic, you would have seen as we've just uh, reiterated that over the past two years or so, um, the number of obese uh, populations probably just slightly grown over what it was in the last recorded data. So how do we then combat this? So there are two groups of patients. There are those groups of patients who are just simply obese. Um, During this pandemic, when uh, hospital resources are strained, uh, maybe they have to wait a little while before they can have their definitive therapies like surgical interventions. But then there are other patients who are diabetic, especially those with poorly controlled diabetes, morbidly obese, the longer we leave them, the likelihood of complication is higher because poor glucose control, uh, increased risk in the pandemic due to COVID as well, and risk of having complications. And these people will, on some degree of priority, need treatment. Metabolic bariatric surgery is one of the interventions that can help these patients uh, profoundly. What it essentially does is it basically reorganizes the normal physiology of the patient, brings them to normal bodily function, and this helps the patient recover from diabetes and also improve overall general health. And in a paper that we had published not too long ago, we were able to show that if patients were morbidly obese and had diabetes, you operated on them and they were able to lose their weight to a certain extent, and they were able to maintain glu- glucose control, they could have about 10 years of life that they would have otherwise lost, added to them back again. That's a decade of life. And that's a great, great achievement for these patients.
0: So Dr. Asim, what, uh, what else should uh, diabetes patients be looking out for in this pandemic then?
1: I think we've discussed about diet. They got to watch their diet. They got to watch their medications. They got to test themselves uh, for their glucose controls. Uh, They got to exercise. They got to consult back with their physicians. I think uh, we live in the era of technology. A lot of uh, clinics, a lot of hospitals have now come into teleconsultation. They should monitor their glucose, discuss with their physician, adjust their dosing of diabetes, uh, and uh, within the limits of whatever is permissible, still exercise uh, better. And they should get themselves vaccinated. Patients who are diabetic can have some serious complications related to COVID. So it's important that patients who are relatively immunocompromised because of the disease status they are in, they will benefit by boosting their immune system, by getting vaccinated, and that would help them, hopefully, through these difficult times of pandemic.
0: Would you recommend that they get uh, flu jabs as well, more so for people with diabetes and others?
1: Yeah, so if you look at the basic physiological outcomes of patients, so in di- diabetes immunity is slightly suppressed. With obesity, it's also suppressed. So, if you want to fight a disease, then the way to fight is either you lose that weight control, that diabetes better, which all make an effort but may not achieve. So, if we can do another additional layer of precaution, which is to go to get flu jabs, go to get COVID jabs, then it boosts, it gives the memory about an infection so that the next time if the infection Actually, happens they are in a better state of fighting because of that memory that they have already developed because of the vaccine.
0: Thanks for explaining that. Thanks, uh, Doctor Asim, for your time today.
1: No, it's all my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Joyce.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Health Check a podcast series by The Street Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favorite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Search for Street Times Health Check, like us, and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcastsbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3.